This is Bill Lockwood. We call this the Patriotic Pulpit. We hope that you have a happy New Year's. We're coming upon it. And we hope that you've had a Merry Christmas. We know that many people have had a lot of suffering. But we hope that this next year will be a more productive year and will be better for you and will be more blessed for you and your family. All right, today we have a couple of things on the docket I want to talk about. Number one is the $1.7 trillion spending bill that was crammed through right at Christmas time by the Democratic-controlled Congress, and it had a number of Republicans that were signed on to it. We'll talk about that uh, in brief for just a moment, and then that will lead us into a talk about what really is happening behind the scenes is the, the currency devaluation by the Federal Reserve. And I want I to talk about the Fed for a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about history on that one. Before all of that, however, there is an article I wanted to call your attention to. It was in Epic Times, and I have a couple of items to add to it. But it is called Hatred of White American Culture Being Fostered in Colleges, or that's how I title It's actually called Students speak out on anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-American culture at a Florida university. Now, even though uh, I want you to have a Happy New Year, and that's not a good note to begin the Happy New Year on, but it is good to be informed on these things, at least, that we might know what we're facing. So let's think about the anti-Christian, anti-American, anti-white culture that is being fostered at American universities, and specifically, this article highlights the Florida University, but it has a wide-sweeping grasp of many other universities as well. And what is really at the root of it is what is called, of course, as you know, we've talked about it many times before, the critical race theory, CRT. So let's, for just a moment, let's just think about what is CRT. CRT, Marxist ideology that divides everything up or every person up, into the oppressed or the oppressor class. And those two classes, that's a clash. And out of that comes another synthesis and and on and on it goes. And so society is divided up into into these warring groups. And that's how Marxists see society. Everything's at war. Well, the critical race theory basically says exactly the same thing, except in the 1960s, as we've talked about on this program many times before, they simply substituted race and gender for one's wealth. That is, we're not talking about uh, the proletariat, and we're not talking about the bourgeoisie, but we're talking about blacks versus whites, Native Americans versus whites, male versus female. And that's what the critical race theory is. So it tells us that everything that is going on really is traceable to this. Marxism, remember, begins with an anti-God premise. That is, there is no God, an atheistic premise, and that everything is determined by the class. So that's what's taking place in the university. So this article, speaking about the Florida University, tells us that six conservative students attending a major Florida university told the Epic Times, on condition of anonymity, about their frustration with the anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-American environment on campus and in classrooms that make them feel uncomfortable and best, at best, and threatened at worst. 
Across the country, parents have pushed back against the community school boards for allowing radical race and gender theories in grades K through 12. But experts told the Epic Times the same pushback has not happened at the college level, the birthplace of the CRT. CRT, the experts said, is rampant across the nation, not just in Florida. And incidentally, it's not just on college campuses. We'll mention a couple of things in just a moment. And that means conservative students nationwide are struggling to navigate college systems where they face disdain for the beliefs and encouragement to reject their core values. And that's exactly what's happening on college campuses, as we all know. For example, the CRT has been introduced in all levels of society via the the mule that it rides on is the project called the 1619 Project, which teaches that America was founded upon the concept of racism was not founded in 1776. It was not founded in 1607 at Jamestown. It was actually 1619 where indentured servants were brought to Jamestown. And thus, since those were black individuals, that America was founded upon American, or a white, I should say, supremacist ideology from its inception. So these, these views... The Epic Times goes on to give us this following illustration. Here's how it's coming out on the college campus. Here's a conservative student, for example. He's currently being harassed for his conservative views. A Christian law student who supports the National Rifle Association told the Epic Times he didn't know he'd been reported as an extremist for expressing conservative views until FBI agents knocked on his apartment door. They questioned him about his political views for more than one hour. Let's just stop here for a moment. You have the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We've heard a lot about how they had been embedded in Twitter and monitoring and censoring the speech of Americans, which is, of course, something that the Gestapo does, did in Germany. And the same thing the Commandant did in, in Russia, in communist countries, the same thing that the boards do in communist nations. That's exactly what's taking place in America via the FBI. Now the FBI is knocking on the door of students who have expressed conservative views in a collegiate classroom and questioning them on their views. We have a government that is out of control. I don't understand why people cannot see that this is a simple fact. It's a government that completely out of bounds And it's not going to be adjusted or corrected by simply tweaking it at the top or changing the leadership of the FBI. The FBI has got to go. It is absolutely corrupted from the top down. You have have agents that are operating toward the bottom level, and they're going to a college campus classroom and knocking on the door of a conservative student because he has expressed conservative ideas. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to be solved. I mean, where where are the FBI agents that have some consciousness about them to tell their superiors this this is not going to be how we're going to proceed? I am not going to do this. This This is absolutely ridiculous. Another student in a journalism class said that she felt bullied by a professor who, quote, forced students to parrot her scorn for America's systemic racism. That's, that's all the, 
these all these professors want to do. They want you to parrot their disdain and affirm progressive student talking points on immigration, gender identity issues, queer theory, intersectionality, transgenderism, religious faith, and the ideas of Karl Marx, the author of the Communist Manifesto. As I've said, Marxism is that which is on the march here, and it is done so by the CRT. I can't write what I truly believe about these issues, the, the girl said. Her name is Mia. When I did, did that, I got an F. In order to pass a class, I have to affirm leftist ideas I don't believe in. And when I repeat all the talking points and present them as ideas, I believe wholeheartedly, as ideas I believe wholeheartedly, that is, I write things that I don't believe in, but I act like I believe in them, I get A's. It feels like being brainwashed, she went on to say, when they regard reward you for repeating their ideas and punish you for saying things that go against their beliefs. This is absolutely stunning, stunningly incredible. Now, one of the leading architects of the CRT was Ibram X. Kendi, who attended Florida A&M University. He later taught at the University of Florida. And there's no idea that is so wild embedded in the heart of individuals that some university will not hire that person and protect them with tenure in order that they might brainwash the children in the next generation. Kendi was, is no exception. Kendi's book was How to Be an Anti-Racist, and he promotes fighting racism by discriminating against groups that, according to him, are oppressors, such as white males. So we've got to discriminate against white males. Anti-racism practices are often taught in classes and employer trainings that promote diversity, inclusion, and, and equity. Students said that CRT, gender theory, other topics considered woke, that such men as Kendi are promoting, they are actually flourishing in the Florida University. That's what's happening at the university level. And that, despite attempts, I might remind you, a Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, telling us that he's stopping racial activism in education by banning CRT training and discrimination. But that hasn't happened at the collegiate level, and it trickles down into society. Kendi is simply a new breed, or represents a new breed of Marxist writers. Men such as Robin DeAngelo, Robert Bell, who's a writer in one of the textbooks of the CRT called Critical Race Theory, the Key Writings that Formed a Movement, and had a forward by Cornell West, a book that I own, a great big giant textbook. They claim that America is white supremacist nation, whites are racist in their DNA, and that in order to change this, in order to rectify the situation, preferential treatment of non-whites must be done, and that is what is called equity. And so Kendi's best-selling book, How to Be Anti-Racist, is now read everywhere, included by military personnel, and he was named as one of the foremost influential thinkers People by Time Magazine. That was last year. I want to say a few things about Kendi's How to Be Anti-Racist that are so they're so hypocritical. And we'll save that till after the break. So let's take a break. We'll talk more about Ibram Kendi and the CRT in just a moment. There are two things that I want to make mention of in cross-examination of CRT, critical race theory, as is being taught in different universities and is trickling down in society. 
And those two points are, number one, that those who are promoting the idea that America is a white racist nation don't even believe it themselves. They're hypocritical in their belief. And number two, the way to address racism in the heart is not by more legislation, but it is by changing the hearts of people. And it goes back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this is one reason why myself as a preacher of the gospel of Christ want people to recognize that this is really an answer to atheism. We're not simply talking politics here. This is atheism. And atheism comes in the dress of critical race theory because it wants us to believe that everyone does things and makes decisions and their thought processes are controlled by whether they're white or black, racist, anti-racist, so forth. And whites, unfortunately, according to their DNA, are racist. Now, that's the idea. But that is an atheistic concept of the world because that's what Marxism is. It is based upon atheism. And I'm happy for anyone to challenge me on it. We'll look at, we'll be happy to look at it in depth whenever you'd like to do so. But so we want to look at those two things. How, number one, those who are claiming that we're racist and those who are promoting the CRT theory, they're absolutely hypocritical in it and they don't believe it themselves. And it's really a cover for anti white hatred. That's what it is. That's what's going on. And anyone in the school systems can feel it with many of the black young people today. I've had many students, black young people, teenage boys and girls telling me, I hate white people. I hate white people. It's amazing that this kind of filth and this kind of hatred could come out of the mouths. And everybody just is understanding, well, I've got to get, I've got to get a black teacher in here to talk to you because you hate me as a white man and you're, this is, this is what's happening in the public school system. And I am not exaggerating. I've been told that point blank by a number of students. Where is it coming from? It's coming from the promoters of CRT at the collegiate level and in the high school level. And they're promoting it. But it really is anti-white hatred. And that's what it is. So let's see how it works. Let's just look at Kendi for just a moment. Kendi, um, and, and Kendi, by the way, uh, this is Ibram X. Kendi, Ibram X. Kendi. Kendi tweeted something last year, and he put this out about white people lying and how they lie about their race to increase chances of admission into colleges. So listen to this. This is his tweet. This all happened in 2021. More than a third of white students lied about their race on college applications. And about half of these applicants lied about being Native American. More than three-fourths of these students who lied about the race were accepted. All right, let's break it down for a moment. He says whites are regularly lying about their race on applications into colleges and graduate institutions. They're saying that they're minority. They have minority blood in them. You know, we have people like the Elizabeth Warrens who say, I'm an American Indian. I'm a Native, Native American. And that kind of thing is as as he puts it here, 
uh, Ibram Kendi, he says that's systemic. That's whites. He says how many more than a third of white students coming into the universities are lying about it. Now they're lying about it, but break that down. What does that mean? You know, Kendi apparently is so angry and hateful about the white people in America that he tweeted this out before he even thought what the implications are. What are the implications? The implications are that the application process is not racist tilted to white people. It's racist tilted to minorities. That's why white people want to lie about it. And he recognized that because his whole premise of his whole entire, his entire doctrine and the premise of his entire book and all of his preachments is that this country is anti-black, anti-colored. It is white supremacist, and that's systemic, and that's, that's pervasive. That's what his premise is. But then he tells us, well, white people are lying because they're telling us they're minorities to get into colleges. And his hatred just boils over. But then, oh, he thought about that. Wait a minute. He, he deleted the tweet. You, well, why did he delete the tweet? Because he recognized, after some people pointed it out, said, if that's the case, then you're, you're shooting yourself on the foot on your premise that the admissions into universities and graduate institutions are racist tilted in favor of whites. <laughs> so he deleted the tweet. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I hadn't thought about that. See, they've replaced critical thinking, rational thinking and rational thought with critical race theory. And this has been going on a long time. This is, And by the way, this is not simply university-level nonsense. I remember many years ago, I had a relative that went to Philadelphia and wanted to go into Constitution Hall. And so he went in there, and there was a, a lot of school children that were given being given tours. And the tour guides would take them to pictures of the Constitution being signed. And here's how the tour guide handled the picture. What do you children notice about the Constitution being signed, George Washington standing there and Benjamin Franklin's bending over that and Thomas Jeff. What do you what do you recognize about the picture? Well, they say they're all dressed in funny uh, funny clothes. Okay, all right. Uh, they would say, well, they uh, they all have uh, peculiar uh, peculiar shoes on, and um, and it's just the silly things like that. He said, well, here's what I want you to see. Now, this is talking to elementary school children. They're all white. They're all men. White male. Let's go to the next exhibit. What's that about? That is about instilling in school children that this is a white racist country. And that's exactly what collegiate level people are trying to defend. They're trying to say, well, this nation was founded by a bunch of white men. As if to say, okay, scrap the Constitution. And they're not simply implying that they say at some of these uh, some of these schools, law schools even, they even have discussions about scrapping the Constitution, not that they haven't done so already. Scrapping the Constitution because it, it was crafted by a bunch of white men. 
and many of them owned slaves. So, okay, oh, we've got to get rid of, okay, we've got to get rid of the, anything they wrote. Isn't that incredible? So what we've replaced critical thinking is with is critical race theory, that is Marxism. Marxism, hate, hate the white man. And that's what's going on. And we can't even assess a person's writing. It's, it would be interesting, wouldn't it, to have just the writing of an individual and say, do you agree with this concept or this statement, yes or no? But today's college students frequently say, well, I want to see who wrote it. Who, who wrote that? No, I want you to assess whether it's right or wrong based upon what is actually embedded in the statement itself without trying to find out who wrote it. Do you agree with what is stated, true or false? Is that right or wrong? No, I want to see who wrote it. I want to see who wrote it. Oh, that's a white man wrote that. No, it's white racism. We've got to get rid of it. See, they're not even, they can't think critically. And they can't assess an argument with rational thinking and deduce with inductive reasoning or deductive reasoning, come to a conclusion based upon premises because they have to figure out who wrote what and who said what whether or not we're going to call that a racist person and cast it out. That's just, it's absolutely stunning how far we have wandered in our country. So that's the first thing. Kendi represents that. And I wanted to point out number two. You know, Kendi didn't believe that. I mean, he doesn't even believe it himself. Uh, Ibram Kendi, that is, put that tweet out there and said white people are trying to pass themselves off as minorities. The reason is because the system is tilted with the quota system in, in hiring in favor of minorities. Now, I want you to think about something else for just a moment. What is the way to properly address poor dispositions, inclusive of racism, in the heart? What is the proper way to address it? You know, the Jews in the Old Testament period, even in the time of Christ, supposed that they might be able to have pure religion simply by going through the rote practices and all of the trimmings and doing exactly certain things in a certain way, washing their hands particularly in this way, and that would be otherwise they were defiled. And they thought that was true religion. Our Lord pointed out that that has nothing to do with true religion. But instead, everything really comes out of the heart. I want you to listen to the statement from Mark chapter 7. This is after Jesus had excoriated the Jews for their, uh, for their hypocrisy. His apostles asked him regarding some things that he had said. And he was really surprised that he said, do, do you not perceive that whatsoever from without goes into the man? That does not defile a man. That is, it doesn't matter what kind of food you eat. We're not talking about particular foods defiling you or not. But it goes not into his heart, but out into it, but out into his belly, and then goes out into the drought. That is, it passes through the body. This he said, making all meats clean. And then he said, that which proceeds out of the man, that is that which defiles the man. For now, listen to this: for from within, out of the heart of man, evil thoughts proceed. Is racism an evil thought? Yes, it is. It is from the heart that evil thoughts proceed. And then he names some of them, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, covetings, wickednesses, pretty broad category, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, railing, pride, foolishness. 
All these evil things proceed from within. These are those that defile the man. What is required in order to stamp out any racism, real or perceived? It is to change the heart of a man. It is not done through legislation. And our government has gone completely awry and astray here from the 1960s on by legislating at a national level quotas for hiring and quotas for admissions. You don't change the hearts of individuals and you don't rectify problems, real or perceived, by legislating more racial quotas. You actually change the heart. And what is needed in America is a change of heart, a conversion by Jesus Christ in the heart of individuals. We'll be back in a moment. Let's talk for a few moments about that $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that just passed as a Christmas surprise in the democratically controlled Congress. Now, it's not simply and solely to blame the Democrats, even though Chuck Schumer was the one who put it together, stapled together a bunch of unpopular bills, stuck them in there as a final package of over 4,000 pages that no one could read the entirety thereof before voting on it. I've heard some Democrats say, well, they all knew it was in it, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, no one can read all that kind of material. A 4,000-page book, you know what? No. No, no one reads that. They have staffers that go through portions of it that affect them, perhaps. They maybe assess it, and now it's just coming out what some of the things are. So what are some of those things? First of all, let me mention this. What is an omnibus bill? An omnibus bill, it used to be that at Congress they would take bills and they would have a particular bill. Let's say, okay, one of the items was a Michelle Obama walking park. Let's, let's debate this. And they want a walking trail named after Michelle Obama. And how much is it going to cost? This will be $1.2 million. All right, let's debate it. Let's talk about it. And people talk about it, and they'll argue it and debate it. But that's not what's going on now. And then it might pass. It might not pass. Because, you know, because the voters are tired of people at Congress spending money relentlessly. So what, what happened here? Well, they stapled together a bunch of those kind of bills and crammed them through in a $1.7 trillion, trillion bill. And it supposedly, and it was bipartisan to a degree, it was called by the Wall Street Journal a steaming pile. By the National Review, it was called a scandal. It was called a sprawling bill by the New York Times. It included $858 billion for the military, $772 billion domestically. Furthermore, this omnibus bill, I want to say, is simply one of the most undemocratic things that could be done because of it was putting together, gluing together all of these different bills with a lack of debate, and it was, it was a premeditated process, and they just crammed it through. I, I want to say right now out loud that our representative, one of our representatives from Texas, Pat Fallon, voted absolutely not. I am so proud that he did. He was on television talking about it earlier this week and telling us some of the nonsense that was involved in that bill. But one of the things I want, and he pointed this out, and I think this is so important, and that is, that 
some of the money that was appropriated in the bill was so ironic because it included $12 billion for SNAP program that would be supplemental nutrition assistance program that would be a welfare program called SNAP. And it was $12 billion because of inflation. Now, get this. He pointed this out. I thought, this is, this is a great comment. Inflation is caused by government spending, or actually, I should say, the Federal Reserve printing, and that enables the government to spend. And that spending, spending what we don't have, means we print the money out of nothing, out of fiat money, and that is what is that is the very definition of inflation. So the bill is giving kicking twelve billion dollars into SNAP because of inflation, while the bill itself is causing inflation. Do you see the the riotous cycle that we're in? It's absolutely incredible. It is it is so horrendous. And so Congress has betrayed the United States of America. And if you think that inflation has been bad now, it's way far outpacing the rises in in money that we receive in our paychecks and what we receive. If you think it's bad now, that it's going to continue that way. But what does Biden care? He just got his his Democratic Congress just got reelected, and so you know what what difference does it make to him? So let's talk for a few moments about the Federal Reserve, because what makes this possible, what what makes it all possible is to print the money, fiat money, and inflate the money supply. And that is the definition of inflation. Our founding fathers warned us about inflation. They told us not to be involved in it. They had experience with inflation. They had experience with fiat money. They had experience with printing paper off, which were promissory notes that you could trade it in for gold and silver later. And then after those promissory notes were redeemed, then you can have that gold and silver. But they discovered that, well, you know, that kept the Continental soldiers happy, so they would print some more of it off. And pretty soon, the Continental dollars were not worth anything. And it was simply a hiss and a byword in the Continental Army of George Washington. Something is not worth the Continental. So we'll talk about all of that in in the the upcoming segment here. But I, I wanted to make mention of a couple of things very quickly here before we go to break. And that is we've rebranded the program. It's called Patriotic Pulpit. You can still at this time uh, go to American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. You can donate to the program uh, because we always, of course, uh, everybody is all these things on shoestring budgets, and we're always appreciative of whatever you can do. The program is found on Amazon Music app. It's also uh, found on Spotify, and it is under patriotic pulpit i write articles primarily at this time for the news talk 1290 website and i want you to go to that website has a lot of information about what's going on in north texas but i write things that affect us nationally religiously culturally so forth so the news talk 1290 website and i have articles that appear there so that's how you can uh, track what we're doing i also have another website and it's not operated by me, but it's the Iowa Park Church of Christ, Iowa Park Church of Christ. It's iowaparkcoc.org. And there you can find all of my sermons, all of my materials, uh, things that are right uh, with for the church bulletin, things that are right 
that are related to the church and related to biblical issues, uh, similar to what I do here, and when I make uh, presentations in the pulpit. So all of those things you can find in those websites, iowaparkclc.org, as well as uh, Spotify, Patriotic Pulpit, Amazon Music, Patriotic Pulpit, and the website American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. All right, we'll be back with more. We'll talk about the Fed Reserve and what's happened with our money supply in just a moment. All right, let's talk about inflation and the Federal Reserve for just a moment. I think this is an important lesson for us because we're thinking about the $1.7 trillion spending bill that just was crammed through. I want to ask you this question. If Congress had to tax us exactly right now to pay for what we what, what they just spent... How much would that be per person? I don't know. I haven't done the math on it. I've heard people mention that over the next so many years, it'd be $20,000 per individual in the nation. So let's just say, for example, that we were operating dollar per dollar. If they're going to pass a bill, $1.7 trillion, and we need to pay for it right now. Okay. What would that mean? Everybody cough up $20,000 to the government. Well, <laughs> they're, they're not going to you know very well we would have a revolution right now in the streets. People are not going to be paying that. So because Congress wanted to be socialism or practice socialism and socialistic spending over a century ago at this point, they crafted a plan by which they might be able to expand the spending at the same time tax the Americans and the American people not realize it because it was not a direct tax. It was kind of an indirect tax. And that was the creation of the Fed Reserve, which occurred in 1913. Now, remember, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson argued about whether there was constitutional authority to establish a national bank. That would be a bank established by the federal government. Hamilton argued it was I believe Thomas Jefferson was right that it was unconstitutional. And Jefferson said that is the banking institutions that are the enemy of the people. Well, when Andrew Jackson became president, he said to the bankers, he said, I've had my eye on you. And they shut down that national bank, said, no, it's unconstitutional, agreeing with Jefferson. And so we kind of went back and forth with national banks. But you know what, what really, what the a socialist, the progressives that they wanted to call themselves wanted to do at the turn of the last century was they wanted to be able to spend socialist, socialistic spending that has caused people to be indebted to the government, get them hooked into being on the government today. For example, let me just stop here and say, if the $1.3 spending bill that they passed the other day did not pass, then they said, well, we're going to have a government shutdown. Well, we would say that would be very good, but you know what? You have more than 50% of the people now on the government dole, receiving government benefits. So now, okay, you've got more than half the population on the government dole. So what, what are they going to do? So, oh, we, we've, got to, we've got to do something here. So this is how socialism works. Instead of being self-reliant, they're relying upon the government. So they had to get something done. They said, well, we've got to pass this $1.7 trillion. So back to the Fed Reserve. So the socialists wanted to be able to spend 
They wanted to be able to cause the American populace to be dependent upon them, the those who had the levers of power in Congress. Consequently, it was passed in the dead of night in a lame duck session after it was crafted in secret off of Jekyll, on Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia, which owned by J.P. Morgan, the Federal Reserve Act. The Federal Reserve Bank was created. So what, what was the Federal Reserve Bank? Well, first of all, there's nothing federal about it. It's a privately owned bank. Number two, there are no reserves in it. They're, they don't have any reserves. It was, a, it was a mechanism by which they might be able to deflate or inflate, I should say, the monetary supply and push us into a socialistic state. So think about this for just a moment. <clears throat> Number one, the definition of inflation is printing more money. Inflation is not rising prices. Inflation is not the rising costs. That is the result of inflation. Inflation is printing more money, printing more money than you have specie, silver and gold to back it. Now that's what it is. And here's the, the real devilish detail in all of it. When the government gets into, or when a private entity as the Federal Reserve gets into printing money that it does not have backing for, the government itself, the first users of money, have the benefit of it because as it trickles down into society, then that money is devalued. And so the money, when it reaches your wallet, has less value than when Chuck Schumer passed the bill. And, and called upon the Federal Reserve to finance it. So now we're over $30 trillion in debt because this is kind of practices. Now, how does that work exactly? Let's take the illustration that I've used many times before of first-year Mickey Mantle baseball cards. I, had a, I have a couple of friends who collect baseball cards. I thought, well, I wish I hadn't given my baseball card collection away as I did. I used to collect them from the 60s and 70s. But anyway... They collect these baseball cards, and one guy has uh, that I know has, okay, here's a first-year Mickey Mantle baseball card. I said, how much is that worth? I don't remember what the figure was he told me, but let's say it was $20,000, which is not out of range. A first-year Mickey Mantle baseball card, what is it, 1952, 53, rookie year, depends upon the condition, $20,000. But let's just say, for example, that I go into my attic and I find a box of first-year Mickey Mantle baseball cards. I think, uh, and, and let's say I find, let's say 500 of them. Wow, I am rich because each of them, 20,500, wow, wow, okay, I, I've got so much money. So I take the first card to the shop and I pass it off and I'll give you $20,000 for that card. So I've got, now I go to another shop over here in another area, do the same thing. Then I go to the next state over and just two or three baseball. Well, pretty soon, what's, what happens to the value of the card? That's right. It goes down. Everybody sees it. I can tell this to people when I taught in juvenile detention. They understood that the value of the card is going to decrease. That's exactly what happens with the dollar bill. When you print so many dollar bills off, they might be worth something at one time. And in 1913, and even up through the World War II, you could go into a bank and say, I want to trade my $1 bill in, and you could trade it for a dollar of silver. I want a silver dollar for this. You can't do that today. 
because it's not worth a dollar, not worth a dollar in silver. Our dollar is worth really about four cents as to what it was in 1913. What happened? I want to read to you from, uh, this is from Ron Paul. He is so on target with this. And I tell you what, if people would pay attention to how he's laid it out so carefully, he says very plainly that what's happening is when this occurs, when all of this occurs, then your, your dollar is devalued. So he says, some say prices indeed rise, but so do wages and salaries. Therefore, inflation causes no real problem. This misconception overlooks one of the most insidious and immoral effects of inflation. It's redistribution of wealth from the poor and middle class to the politically well-connected. That's why Congress is getting rich, in other words. The price increases that take place as a result of inflation do not occur all at once and to the same degree. Those who receive the new money first receive it before prices have yet risen. They enjoy a windfall. Meanwhile, as they spend the new money, the next wave of recipients spend it, and so on, prices begin to rise throughout the economy, well before the new money trickles down to most people. The average person is now paying higher prices while still earning his old income. Those who get the new money first, government contractors, big banks, and the like, comes at the direct expense of everyone else. The average person is silently robbed through this invisible means and usually does not understand what is exactly happening to him. And that's what happens when we have the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is not a federal bank. It was misnamed. It has never been audited. We don't know where their expenses have gone to or where their monies have gone to. And this is why what's happening now is why our founding fathers told us specifically, point blank, Congress has power to coin money. Congress alone. Article 1, Section 8. Article 1, Section 10 prohibits states from coining money, from emitting bills of credit or making anything but gold and silver in coin a tender in payments of debts. In 1792, the Coinage Act authorized three new coins, $10 eagles, $5 half eagles, and two and a half dollar quarter eagles. Americans could bring their gold or silver to the mint to be coined. All coins to have representation, uh, there to have representation of liberty and the date of minting. Now, the Tenth Amendment specifically disallows doing what is not specifically delegated. That is disallowing paper money to be issued at a federal level, and that has been upheld. Until, of course, the progressive era, when the progressive era says we can do what we want to do, and they've trashed the Constitution. So in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act was passed after the group of bankers, including the Warburg family in, at Jekyll Island in the first decade of that century, and they passed it in the Woodrow Wilson administration. And Congress, at that point, gave away its constitutionally granted power to issue and to regulate money to a group of private bankers. That included Senator Nelson Aldrich. He was, by the way, a father-in-law to John D. Rockefeller. And he was a Republican, incidentally. Frank Vanderlip, vice president of Rockefeller's National City Bank of New York. Charles Norton, president of Morgan's First National Bank of New York, the second largest bank. 
Henry Davison, senior partner of J.P. Morgan. Benjamin Strong, head of J.P. Morgan's Bank and Trust. Paul Warburg, representative of the Rothschild family from Europe. Andrew Abraham Andrew, assistant secretary of Treasury. They thought, you know, the federal government should have a little word here. Well, what's the cause of it? Or whether I should say, what are the consequences of it? The consequences of the Fed is this. This is from Ron Paul. The Fed Reserve has been fully complicit in the creation of the housing bubble, as it has been in the creation of every asset bubble in our country's history since 1913. All you have to do is take a look at the statistics on the money supply, the producer price index, or the consumer price index, and you can see that the Fed Reserve has been totally ineffective in combating inflation. In fact, inflation, which is defined as an increase of the money supply, is caused in the first place by the central banks like the Federal Reserve. Rising prices are the effects of inflation, not inflation per se. The Fed's real purpose is to ensure that inflation continues at a pace fast enough to benefit government and first users of newly created money, like commercial banks, government contractors, while inflating slowly enough to keep the general population from becoming overly concerned. And that's exactly what has happened to America. So our money supply has been tainted, has been corrupted, and we are being taken advantage of. And it made it possible for Congress to pass all kinds of spending bills. But what what happened was, instead of taxing the American people and say, you need to cough up the money for it, I said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to take the money from you in this insidious way by inflating the money supply. So they can pass the 1.3 trillion spending bill and, and ignorant Republicans get on board with it. And I am so disappointed in the Tom Cottons of the world who would get on there and do that. It's absolutely an atrocity to the American people. And this has got to stop. But as long as we have Congress in there as they're doing right now, doesn't seem that they're going to stop. And I don't know that the Republicans are going to do much better because we have so many Republicans, such as the Mitt Romneys of the world, doing exactly the same thing. Now, just to put a couple more nails down on this particular point, this is from John Maynard Keynes on inflation. He's the original proponent of the, the world currency called the Bancor, and he understood the concept well. Now, why, why did he want a world currency? Well, because he wanted us... America to have our money siphoned off and pay for to foreign countries. That's why the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank were created in order that Americans might be on the hook for loans that were given by international banks to foreign countries that could not pay back the loans. And so the American taxpayers are on the hook. Well, in 1919, Keynes wrote in his book, The Economic Consequences of the Peace, by a continuous process of inflation, governments, now listen to this, can confiscate secretly and unobserved, an important part of the wealth of their citizens. There you have it. They're conf- he, they say they're confiscating it. Why is it that America is becoming poorer? In part, because number one, of the Federal Reserve. Number two, because our Congress is wildly out of control constitutionally, with foreign aid, giving money away to foreign countries, continuing to pay. This, how do you think they're trying to pay for the war in Ukraine? 
If they turned around and told every American taxpayer, you're going to pay $20,000 per person this year to spend money in Ukraine, you, would you be supportive of it? Would you, would you be cheering Zelensky when he was speaking in Congress? No, you would not. No, no everybody would be coughing, coughing up blood. No, that's, no, that's here's how they're doing it. So we've got to get hold of the government. And if we can't get hold of some of this, then we are doomed as a nation because it's going to drive us right into the ground financially, fiscally, and as we pointed out in the first section, morally. Thank you for listening to the Patriotic Pulpit.